What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of The Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Now, normally, as you know, we'd be at RJ's Pub in Rochester Hills. We're working to get back there. Uh, we'll be figuring out real soon what's going on with that whole situation in, in lieu of the recent updates and everything like that. But uh, we're working to get back there. And if, you know, if you're around that area looking for some good carryout, want to do a different dinner option, slide by RJ's, man. You know we always support... Uh, the season fries is Coach Campy staple. As always, he is a Coach Greg Campy. My name is Neil Rule. Coach, how are you, man? Good. Good to be here. Uh, glad that, you know, things are moving into February and everything's still up and running. And we only got eight games left in the regular season. And, you know, we're, we're one of the few teams. We may be the only team in the country at this point that has played 19 games and uh, has played their whole schedule. Um, so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for my kids for how hard they're working at this. And, you know, there's a lot of internet talk and things like that about as we get close to the tournament, you know, shutting down and playing, being safe and do, doing those things. And we keep talking every day to the kids, you know, how, how being diligent is so important. And here we are. We've made it to February. Now let's hope we can make it to March. Yeah, absolutely, Coach. I guess you would say the, the finish line is in sight. Uh, wrapping up this weekend, obviously, the, the Metro Series, rounds three and round four. You guys got the split against Detroit Mercy as, as you won on Friday. And what was a lot of fun, uh, that game on Friday, certainly. But they've all been a lot of fun, uh, all those matchups against Detroit. I know that, you know, you guys didn't want to do it. They didn't want to do it. Um, you know, and, and Detroit's too good of a team to, to think that you're just going to beat them every single time, you know, that you play them in a four-game set this year. Uh, you know, just wrapping up on it, you know, now that you're able to look back on it, I would imagine you probably still feel the same. Mike Davis probably still feel the same way about it. If we would have won both, I'd feel the same way. I, and it wouldn't have been fair to them and, and to Mike. And, uh, you know, we had quite a streak going. And if you're, if you're on the other side of that streak, you know, that, that's not fun. And our focus can't be Detroit and their focus can't be Oakland all the time. You know, you have your two games you play and then your focus is getting your kids better and getting in the NCAA tournament. And we had to play four games in less than a month. And it, it just, the intensity of that rival. Can you imagine if Michigan State and Ohio State had to play I mean, Michigan and Ohio State had to play football four times in a month. You would lose the, you know, the fierceness of it and the meaning of it in that because then it becomes, oh, we got to do it again. Oh, we got to do it again. And um, I think it's really hard, especially on the athletes, the players. So I'm not surprised uh, that we didn't win all four games. Uh, we had our opportunity to do it. And they can look back and say they had their opportunity to win all four games. They did, yep. And they're, and they're right, they did. But we had we had won all we had won the first three, and you know we missed a dunk with two minutes to go in the game, down three. It would have cut it to one and would have given us like a seven or eight straight point streak. And having won the other three, the, you know the pressure would have all been in their court, and we had gotten three or four straight. And in fact, after the dunk, we got three more stops and we just couldn't, we couldn't end the game. And, and I uh, feel terrible about that, you know, because it's the series and because we wanted to keep that streak going and that, 
but I think when you step back from it, it was inevitable that, you know, you can't keep beating somebody, you know, if you were, if it was Michigan state beating you by 20 and every once in a while you have a close game, that's different than when you're playing. And, you know, I, I, I believe because of all the free throws at the end of the game, they may have scored more points than we did in the four games. Cause we won by three, two. And I don't remember what we won by Friday night. Um, so they, and they ended up winning by 10 on Saturday because of the free throws at the end. And we, we gave, we let the one kid go shoot it, you know, go dunk it. So, so we won by five on Friday night. So it ended up, we scored the exact same amount of points during those four games as they did. And we're three and one. So we got to be pleased with that. We're in position and you want to be in position when February comes. There's no championship this year. There's no regular season champion because of COVID and because of the way the schedule was being made. There's no fairness to have a regular season champion. What there is is a number one seed, a number two seed, a number three seed through. And what you want to do is you want to get into one to four seeds. If you get from one to four, you're exactly the same as, as those four teams. You get a by the first week game and then you get a home game and you have a buy and a home game to get to the semifinals in Indianapolis. And so that's the whole thing is to finish in the top four. Um, I really don't know where we're at right now. If you look at it from a uh, standing schedule, we're a half game out of fourth with Eight to, eight to play? Yeah, eight to play. And so we're right there. The truth of the matter is, is we don't know if we're a half game out of fourth or not because it's all done by a formula. And the formula is going to take into effect, you know, I should have, I don't have it with me. I should have brought it. I should have been, you know, read it. Maybe it would have helped some of our fans understand. Maybe if I can remember next week, I'll bring the formula with me and I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll let people know how they're, going to uh, determine the seeds but it one is based on the amount of games you've played two is based on amount of wins you have where your wins were i think you get a bonus for uh winning a road game and i think you get a bonus for beating a team with a winning record or something like that there there's it's a very i can't figure it out and i'm pretty good at that math stuff neil so um, well, camp. My my wife's got an education degree with a mathematics specialty from Oakland, and my son's in advanced math, and they're both upstairs. So you know, I mean, we well, can, maybe next week you can bring them down. We'll and, bring them down, and we'll get them going. Maybe they can figure it all out for us. So <laughs> they um, didn't get it from me, as you know. Yeah, obviously, came from her side. But you know, the, I think the league's going to let you know as we get closer to the end of the season. I think they're going to. I don't think it's right now makes sense to say. Based on this formula, this is where we're at. I think we all kind of have an idea. I don't. I don't think if we're you know a half game out of fourth right now, I don't think we're going to fall the ninth. But I will tell you this, Neil. I'm really confused on the the national ones that they're using for the NCAA tournament, and I think COVID has screwed everything up. But I saw where I think we're third in the league in the RPI, but in the net we're like ninth. And of of course, Camp. Of why would it not be that way? You know. But, but here's what 
is staggering to me. I don't understand it. And this is not a criticism at the University of Detroit. I'm not pointing a finger. I just, you know, we've played, what, 19 games. We have six wins. Detroit has played, I think they're four and seven. Um, they're three and five in the league, and I think they were they lost to Notre Dame and Michigan State, I believe, and they beat Western on the road. Yeah, they're four and eight. They're four and eight. All right. So they've played 12 games. We've played 19. So obviously there's such a big difference in games. How can you determine? But let's look at our wins. We have six league wins. They have three league wins. And they have one road win. And we have two road wins. They're ranked in the net nationally. Oh, and then they're non-league. We have no non-league wins, but we played as tough a schedule as there is in the country. They have one non-league win, and they played a difficult schedule, too. They beat Western. They lost to Kent at home, who's a pretty good team. They lost to Michigan State, and they lost to Notre Dame. So that's a good schedule, too. So they played a good schedule. We played Michigan State, Michigan, Oklahoma State, Xavier, and Purdue. So that's a stupid schedule, but it's a really good schedule. We beat Detroit three out of four times. We beat Detroit twice at Detroit. They won once at Oakland. We beat them once at Oakland, and lost once at Oakland, and we beat them twice at Detroit. They have four wins. We have six. How in the world is there any mathematical formula that can have them 50 points better than us in the, in the net. It makes no sense to me. And again, I think I understand math and I think I understand how these things are calculated, but I saw where I think we're 275. These are round numbers. These aren't exact. Where we're 275 in the country in net and they're 225. Now, the reason that worries me if we're being punished for playing more games than everybody else, the reason that worries me is because the final decision maker in our conference's uh, seeding for the, our conference tournament is overall net. So let's say that we go through, and I doubt it'll happen, but the other night on Jeopardy, a game ended in a tie, and they had to go to the seldom used final, you know, break the tie in Jeopardy. So if it can happen in Jeopardy, it can sure as hell happen in the Horizon League. And, uh, you know, so if let's say we go through all the stuff and we, we finish <laughs> Sorry, tied with Detroit for fourth. <laughs> you're making, you're making me fall out with that one, man. You, all right, go oh, ahead. But, but it's the truth. So we we go through everything, and it turns out tied. They'll get fourth place, and we'll have to go on the road and play them at their place for a third time this year, and that scares me. And so I hadn't even paid attention to the net until I was reading. Like I said, I got the rules, and I was reading them, and I saw that final thing being the net, so I just went and looked it up, and I – my mouth fell open, and you know it's hard to—it's hard for me to be speechless. Right. 
But I was speechless looking at how are they 225 and we're 275 with all the things I just told you. None of that makes any common sense. So this COVID uneven schedules and that. It's even impacting math and fact, Campy. It's tricking everybody. I mean, it's tricking people because how can you beat a team three out of four times and twice at their place? And you're not just below them. You're 50 points below them. And that's significant when there's only 350 spots. 50 points is significant. And when you played 19 games and six of those have been at home and you played Wright State. and We have a win over probably yeah. the top net team, the top RPI. Well, maybe Cleveland State was the top net team, but uh, the top RPI team in the league was, was Wright State, and I believe we were third. Well, don't worry because Cleveland State's your only other set of home games left. So yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll get that. To, like Those are your home games, man. Your rival in Detroit, Wright State, and Youngstown State. All eight home games you got. That's that's what it is. Tw- eight out of 27 games are at home. Eight out of 20 in the league. And we yeah. have played the, the two best teams in the league are our rival and uh, a team that was picked second, who's fortunately for the opponents, unfortunately for them, are playing without their best player. Right. So that's that's what the scenarios are, man. And I mean, yeah. This isn't what we think. This is what we know. Summer league. Yeah, this this is what we know. The fans don't want to hear that. The, the people want to brag about their teams. You know, I read something the other day. Somebody ripped Youngstown State. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember where it was, or Twitter or something like that. And, and I, I'd like to go talk face-to-face to this person and say, do you understand Youngstown State started the league with 8 out of 10 on the road. Yep. And they had to go to Wright State, Northern Kentucky, Oakland, and Cleveland State. Those are probably four hard places to go play. And you they had to do it. Only the Wright State, only the Northern Kentucky games did Quisenberry play. Yeah. You took your best player and a first-team all-league player, and he's off. And these people are mad at them because, well, they were picked second and now they're in 10th. Well, of course they're in 10th. They had to go play all these road games. Now they're getting to play at home. Quisenberry's going to come back, and all of a sudden Jared's going to be a great coach again. (laughs) Right. All of a sudden, oh, look, he, he turned this around, you know. God couldn't turn, you know, God couldn't have saved that team. I mean, you've, you've got to understand what's going on in this COVID world. It makes a big difference when you you win on Friday and you got to turn and play the same team on Saturday. That's a tough, tough deal. You you win on, in, or you lose on Friday and you got to turn around and play the same team on Saturday. If you lose on, in, in real life, you lose on Thursday, you get to get on the bus and go somewhere else and see somebody different and, and motivate your guys and, ex- and get your guys. Ex- it's hard to do that. You don't see, it's yeah. It's hard to do it, Neil, when there's nobody in the stands. I never thought I'd say I miss cheerleaders and, and uh, the pep band, but I miss the hell out of our pep. You know, Camp, something that, that you've talked about too all season, and I'll get your thought on this real quick before we cut to the break. Um, the officials thing is big, man. It, I, I've noticed it is, it is big because – disparities 
seem to get overcorrected sometimes. I'll just say it like that. We got to be careful yeah. what we say because no, I'm just that. That's the mathematical fact. Like if you go through the box score differences in one game change in the second game. I'll, I'll I'll break down the box score with anyone that wants to talk about it. Right, right, and and, and I have said that to officials, and they said, "Oh, I'm not like that. I I don't let that affect me." But it does. They're human, and so in a normal situation, if two officials, three officials have a game on Thursday, they walk out of that gym and they head to their next place for their game Friday or their game Saturday. And they talk about the game and, and, and that, and, and they move on. Here, now, they go back to their hotel room and the coach who has gotten into them the whole night about, let's just take our team, Jalen Moore. You know, Jalen Moore leads the country, I believe, in free throws attempted. He's really crafty and really good at drawing fouls. We've had two occasions this year where on Friday, he probably shot double-digit free throws, and the other coach is mad and yelling, and they go back and they look at the film and they think, well, maybe this wasn't a foul. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe Jalen's creating that contact. And so they come back the next day, and, and they're set. They're not going to call that. And that affects the game. That affects Jalen's – I don't know how many – I don't remember how many shot he shot Friday, but I'm sure it was 7 to 10. On Saturday, he shot one. At Green Bay, I believe he shot 11 or 12 on Friday, and on Saturday he shot zero. And you, you can just see this – and this is not a criticism. This is just a criticism of playing two games in a row against the same team with the same officials. With now, the same human beings, right. Somebody, they're human too, right. but, but somebody who's defending officials would say, well, the coaches figured it out. They, they fouled him on Friday, but they told their kids not to foul him and guarded him different on Saturday. Well, I know one thing. I can tell my kids not to foul all I want. They're still going to foul when a guy blows by him. And they're still going to put their hands out and try and slow him down. And that's a foul on Friday, and it's not. maybe it's not a foul on Saturday because of the situation. Now, real quick, I know we got to go to break, but real quick, again, that's not a criticism, and that, that's human. You know, that's, right. that's human. Those, those guys are trying to do a great job officiating, and they, they, value, they value their work, and they value, you know, off. if I didn't mess up a little bit on Friday night, I got I got on Saturday. I got to, you know, make sure that that doesn't happen. And if I were them, I'd do the exact same thing. So it's just, it's, it's the, whatever the word is of playing these back-to-back games in the bubble. It's a byproduct, I guess you'll say. All right. (laughs) We'll take our first break. When we come back, I got to. Uh, uh, something that's going on in the college basketball world that I'll get Coach Campy thought. And remember, you can tweet the show also, hashtag AskCampy. We'll be getting to those in the third segment a little bit after 7.30. So uh, we'll send it back to Kevin McCann, our real estate, real team, real estate studios. He'll get us to the break. And then when we come back, we'll get Coach's thought on uh, kind of the topic du jour that's in the college basketball world. And, of course, we'll preview the games this weekend against Fort Wayne as well. Lots to get to here on the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. 
Back to the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. He is a coach, Greg Campy. My name is Neil Rule. Happy to have you with us here on another Wednesday night during the Oakland basketball season. You can get involved with the show. Tweet a question with the hashtag AskCampy. We will get to that coming up in the next segment. Kevin McCann back in our Real Team Real Estate Studios holding everything down. He does not hold any GameStop stock in his portfolio, sadly to say. I asked him about that before. You have any stock in GameStop, Campy? Oh my God! A buddy of mine called me, and he bought it for seventy. I was going to practice, and by the time I got out of practice, it was one something. And now it, I think it closed today at three three twenty five or something yeah. like that. It's unbelievable, and people are going to lose a lot of money Friday. Yeah, on, on, on the comeback. Yeah, there's no question. I had a. Uh... I had 100 shares queued up to buy back in August because they're, they're, they had so much cash on hand as a company that their shares were at cheaper. What, at what price? Four, four, four bucks. Because the company had more cash on hand than the stock was worth. You made a major error there, Neil. Major error. Well, I, I, I sleep well because I know I wouldn't have held that through 330. You know, once it got to 40 bucks and you get a 10-bagger, that's, that's it's pretty no, good I'd on your have, money. I'd have held it. I probably wouldn't have sold it. I probably would have held it for a year because I wouldn't. Want to pay the tax on it? I would probably help. Yeah, it yeah, that's that's, that's now. Today, I would have sold it. <laughs> yeah. And then I made the mistake too. I, I talked to my sons about it. Like they don't they don't go into GameStop to buy games. They just buy them directly from their Xbox or their Nintendo Switch, and they download them right away. So right. I never, you know, I was like, ah, how are they going to last? And and here we are. I know there's some fundamentals to it that we won't get into here. Maybe when we do the Greg Campy Financial Hour show. Uh, we'll get into those, but <laughs> nobody, nobody be listening to that. <laughs> like the Greg Campy Poker Show. All right, we'll we'll press on here. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on on a comment by Joe Lenardi that he made on ESPN, and you know the the number of teams struggling because of COVID uh, continues to rise. You know we keep seeing these COVID pauses right now. The whole entire University of Michigan uh, in a COVID pause uh, as we speak, uh, but the teams. They go on these COVID pauses, and I think you can relate to this camp. They come back off the COVID pause, and it's a struggle, uh, as you know, intimately. He said, over the weekend, it was Richmond losing at home to LaSalle. Tuesday, it was St. Louis losing its return to play against Dayton, where they were also at home. Ask any coach, and they'll tell you, I have no idea how my guys are going to play in their first game back. It makes me think the NCAA should allow returning teams some kind of scrimmage or exhibition game to knock off the rust. And I think it's why teams thinking about a tank job in their conference tournament should be careful uh, what they wish for. Now, with that being said, Camp, you know, you, you and I were talking about this before we came back from the commercial break. That is an avenue that is open to teams. You know, what's kind of your thought on that? Do you, would, do you think you should see this more? Should this be something that's embraced by everybody? Well, there, there, you can play exhibition games. They, they took the exhibition games away at the beginning of the season, but they came back and said after the season starts, you can have a close scrimmage against a Division One team. Well all games are closed. <laughs> so you could play a division two team and count it as an exhibition game. You could have a, we could call Kentucky and have a close scrimmage with them. That doesn't count. So teams could do that. Uh, I don't think you want to do that though, because I think you, what you want to do is you want to get out and you want to practice and you want to get going. And then you, you know, you have to play 13 games. So you want to get to your number. You want to do all those things. I'd be surprised to do that. Now, what you might see is between the the end of the regular season and the NSA tournament, 
as you see the possibility of some of, you know, there's a lot of talk out there about the power fives not playing their conference tournaments, which when push comes to shove, I think they will because they can't afford to lose the revenue from them. But they're talking about tank jobs, you know, where, okay, I, I'm Michigan and I'm going to go to the Big Ten tournament and I'm not going to take my top seven guys. I need them to not be in that bubble where they could get, you know, COVID and then they'd be out for the NCAA tournament. So there's a lot of talk of that. And, uh, you know, for a mid-major like us, you can't do that because the only team going is the one that wins that conference tournament. So so we're only talking about the, the high-level guys. And you might see a school like Michigan, if they haven't played all 27 of their games, figure a way to play a game or, or even an exhibition, a close scrimmage against somebody just to keep keep fresh and keep, you know, their legs and, and that. But, you know, we lived – we lived – what he's talking about. We played Xavier on national TV with three days of practice and it was 53 to 12 at halftime. So nobody feeling sorry for us when that happened, Neil, it's funny now that it's happening to so many people that now people are saying, you know, all they said about us is, man, they, they're awful. They stink. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, that's the worst Oakland team I've ever seen. That's just terrible. You know, that's what people were saying. Nobody was saying, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is a team that went to three of the last. Maybe they shouldn't. Have, maybe they shouldn't have played this game. What? What I told Tony Ortiz interviewed me today about the the high school situation and the letter I wrote. But um, one of, one of the things I said Tony was, you know, we're playing Michigan uh, on Sunday, and we've had three days of practice. We've played three games. We had a day off that we didn't practice the day before the Michigan, and now we're playing Michigan, and we're Michigan looks has turned out to look pretty good, right? They're top five in the country, and if we go we're in the second half, and we're ahead by six, and Michigan goes zone, and my players look over at me like, "What do we do?" Because we hadn't we had three days of practice, we 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 hadn't spent a day playing and practicing against the zone, you know, and and I was like. Why the hell yet? Asking me, well, you know what? Go get a bucket. Going to do? <laughs> Pass it around, shoot it, and make your shot, buddy, and we'll win this thing. <laughs> I mean, we there was no plan, there was no nothing. And then, of course, it's wow, well, they blew it. They should have beat Michigan. They blew it. But, oh. <laughs> yeah, other teams are finding out it ain't easy when, when you got to sit for 14, 20 days. And, and Michigan State's going to probably find that out tomorrow. You know, I mean, they're coming off their 20 days, right, or 18 days yep. or whatever it's been. So, uh, at least they got games beforehand, and they've got – if somebody goes zone, they'll have a zone offense in, whether the players can remember it or not. That's always an issue. Yep. All right, Kemp, we'll take our next break because we got uh, we got a backlog of Ask Campy questions. So, I know that's uh, – uh, that's everybody's favorite part of the uh, the show. So we'll get to your questions on Twitter. Also wanted to let you guys know uh, the Horizon League will be dropping out the uh, the Horizon League tournament dates and, and everything, how it will work and all the things that will be going on. That will happen tomorrow. I was told around lunchtime some, sometime. So follow the Horizon League on social media. You want to be updated when that stuff drops. Uh, they'll give you all the information for the Horizon League tournament. We're going to be doing it, man. It's, it's coming up soon, Camp. I know it's hard to believe, uh, but it's going to be here soon. Yeah, it's. I told our guys, you know, it's it's February is knock. We're knocking on the door of February, and you know how important February is. 
it's it, you try and keep yourself in position and then you got to get to where you're going in February. Got to be playing your best ball going into March. So that's what we're hoping that we can accomplish. Uh, we got eight games left, six on the road. So we'll see if we can do it. Absolutely. We'll take a break. Come back. Your questions on Twitter. You, you got something going through your head right now? Fired off. Hashtag AskCampy on Twitter. We'll get to them all coming up next. You're listening to The Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Segment number three of The Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. He is a coach, Greg Campy. My name is Neil Rule. Happy you're with us on 106.7 HD2FM, while 106.7 on the iHeartRadio app all over the world. Your radio home for Golden Grizzlies basketball. Remember Fort Wayne this weekend. We will be out there. We'll be on the air at 6.30 on Friday and 4.30 on Saturday with the pregame show. Let's get to the uh, Twitter questions, Camp, with the hashtag AskCampy. The first one we have comes from MDFun89. It says, Camp, what's the significance of the $20 bill that's on your office wall uh, that a lot of people see during the Grizz Visions that we do from your office during the postgame? Also, it's been 2,209 days since Detroit Mercy beat Oakland in a historic building. So there you have it. What's a, what's a $20 bill on the we'll, wall for? We'll, we'll talk about the second one first. That, I had some research done on that. And our seven-game winning streak in Callahan Hall is tied for the longest win streak by a university against Detroit in that building. And that building's old. And Marquette had beat them seven times in a row in it. And we beat them seven times in a row in it. So next year's game will have a lot of meaning, meaning for me. Because we all know the history of the University of Detroit. And if we could go in there and win that game and, and break the record in eight straight victories, I don't know if that would ever be broken. And we'll see, but I don't know. And uh, so that'll be a huge game next year. It'll be one that I will circle in red. Uh, and I don't ever use the color red. <laughs> yeah, that is true. What's with so, the $20 bill on your wall? So the $20 bill on my wall, and if, if we beat Cleveland State in those last two home games and we do a Grizz Vision in there, I'll pull that off the wall and I'll let everybody see it. But that $20 has Roy Williams' signature on it because I kicked his butt on the golf course. <laughs> and uh, we had a $20 bet. And old Roy gave me the $20. I said, nope. I want you to sign that. And so Roy signed it, and I hung it up on my wall. And unless they build a Portillo's right across the street from me, I'll probably never use that $20. But I could see one day I need Portillo's and I don't have any money, and my credit card's gone or something. I might snatch that off the wall. Well, Camp, I'm, I'm surprised he he had a $20 bill with that contract he's got down there, right? Yeah. <laughs> I want I the best I wanted it to be a hundred, but he he wouldn't go a hundred, man. No, he wouldn't go hundred. So it was a twenty dollar bet on a we were at a, a cancer event in Las Vegas. Oh man, neutral site too. Impressive, Ooh, camp. Yeah, neutral site. <laughs> neutral site, I like it. Uh Pittsburgh Marty chiming in as he always does. Appreciate him listening to the show. It says, Coach, I love the show. Explain how you develop a game plan for an upcoming opponent. Do you do the bulk of the preparation? Does an assistant help you watch film or look for tendencies of the team, players, etc.? Pittsburgh Marty. Well, it really differs, Marty, in the non-league and the league. So in a normal year, um, 
our non-league games are broken down, and I don't, <laughs> I don't spend other than Michigan State or the, the rare occurrences if we play Michigan, um, you know, where it's a in-state thing and it, you know, the type of uh, pressure on a game like that to win and, and all that for our fan base and that. I spend very little time on our non-league opponents. I, 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 in fact, probably none. I spend all that. That's early in the season. I spend all my time in the film room with us. And so each assistant coach is assigned our non-league opponents. It's their job to prepare a game plan. It's their job to cut the film that we're going to show. And a lot, we don't really even show our kids film in the non-league unless it's something that we've never seen and we're, you know, our base, whatever we're doing in our base defense doesn't, doesn't fit that. Then we'll show them film, but we do very little in the non-league. Um, now the league is different in the league. Each coach has, there's, there's 11 teams that we have to prepare for in the league this year, only 10 because of the, the, uh, not playing IUPUI and, you know, in the schedule. And so when it's, when we're playing and it's, and it's your assistant and it's your week, um, you and I will sit down and we, we, you know, tell me everything you want to do. You cut all the film that we're going to show our players. Um, you put, you know, down this and that. And when we played man to man, it's a little different this year playing zone, but when we played man to man, that coach was in charge of all the matchups. Now, would I ever overrule him? Sure. You know, especially if things weren't going well, I might get mad and say, no, I want him on him. But, you know, when a substitution is made, it's that coach's job. Uh, so if if uh, Trey Townsend went in for Dan Oladapo, it's that coach's job. You're guarding this guy. It's that coach's job to get the tape out to the players, uh, you know, to their to their iPads, to to their phones, to the things where they can watch during the week. Um, it's it's statistics it's everything and so each coach has that week now in league play i know everybody in our league i know every player i've watched them a million times i know what they do how they do it i probably know what they eat for lunch so we you know it i in league play i'm very 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 involved still the assistant coach's scout still his job but you know, I'm I'm probably a micromanager during during league play. Where in non-league, I might walk in the locker room before the game and say, "All right, you know, who's their best player? Who, you know, is there anything I need to know before the game?" Because I don't care about the non-league. I care about our players getting better so that we can win in in February, and March. Um, the other thing, the game plan is basically uh, in league play is. You know, we stat everything. I mean, we have the analytic on everything. We know every set we run, what our whether we score on it. We know what lineups, what lineups that play are our best defensive plays, our best assist lineup, our best, every stat there is. We have an analytic on, and we have every possession that's played is analyzed in every way it can be analyzed, and it's recorded into a it's a thing that spits out all this data so you can you can get paralyzed with the data and in the long run you still got to coach with your gut but 
our staff has all the information and all decisions that aren't made in a split second are usually made based on the, the analytics. Would I have gone for a touchdown if I had Brett Favre? Absolutely. I wouldn't have listened to the analytic analytics. I would have gone for that touchdown. On fourth, yeah, of, fourth and ten, yeah. yeah. But a lot of coaches live by the analytics. Analytics. I I live by them, but I don't die by them. Now we die, but I I've got to. And when it push comes to shove, I'm still the guy that, you know, the guy, the coach Green Bay has got to live with that. And when things go bad at Oakland, I have to live with it. When they go good, my staff is the ones that live with it. But when they go bad, I'm the one that gets the finger pointed at just as the guy at Green Bay. And he's going to go the rest of his life because he made an analytic decision. And you just sometimes you just can't do that. Yeah, you got to have the football, man. You, you can't win without the football. Well, you, you, it, it, two things there, and we're getting off subject, yeah. but two things there is the guy on the other sideline probably was not going to let you have it back. It, that, hence, you need the football. <laughs> if you were playing the Lions, if you were playing the Lions, you know, if you were playing... A different set of analytics yeah. then, Cam. Right, the analytics <laughs> might have told you, to, to, you know, but I don't think Tom Brady's giving you that, that back. Yeah, and, he did. and the big thing for me as a coach, and I'm not criticizing. It sounds like I am, and I guess maybe I am. But the the biggest thing that I would make that decision on is if we didn't get it back, I got to work with Brett or with uh, Brett Favre. I got to work with Aaron Rodgers, and I just basically told him, "You can't get eight yards." Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And that in itself can ruin a locker room. And Especially with pros. To, pros making millions to, of dollars is a different yeah. scenario. That was to go to the Super Bowl. Right. And, you know, I tell this story to my team all the time. Dan Marino went to the, went to the Super Bowl as a rookie, and they didn't win. And everybody, everybody thought he was going to be in 10 Super Bowls, and they were going to never got back. And he, what did he play, 20 years? Yeah. And never got back. So he's gonna he's gotta live with that and he's gonna he's gonna tell him publicly, he's gonna say the analytics said to do it. But when he puts his head on the pillow at night, I can tell you how that feels. And I, I feel sorry for him because yeah. I know what's gonna happen. I know how many nights he's gonna have. Yeah, legacies were on the line there. It wasn't just analytics, man. Legacies and everything were on the line. Uh, Matt from the Horizon Roundtable podcast wants to know, says, Camp, we're starting to see predictions for the end of the season's awards and all that. If the season ended today, who's your vote for Horizon League Player of the Year, the Freshman of the Year? Uh, you know, who, who are some of the Horizon League first-team contenders? Well, we haven't played everybody, as you and I talked about, yeah. but, you know, I've seen everybody on film. I know what's going on. Um you know, for me, I, I'm not allowed to vote for my own players. But I don't I don't know how Jalen Moore can't be in the conversation for, you know, the most valuable player in the league. Um, if we fall on our face and, and, and don't play well in February and end up the 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th seed, then I don't think he'll be it. I mean, you, you've got to play on a winning team, I think, to be the MVP of the league. Uh, but you know, I don't know how he's not in the com- He's got to be in the conversation. Um, the best, in my opinion, the best player in the league 
not on Oakland's team is Tanner Golden. Yeah. I believe the most dominant player in the league, not on Oakland's team, is Loudon Love. But the best player is Tanner Holden. That's my belief. Uh, again, there's a difference between being the best player and the most dominant player. It's like when you're when you're you know drafting in your fantasy football, Neil. You're going to draft top Travis Kelsey. He's not the best player in the league, but his he's going to score so many more points than any other tight end that he's the most dominant guy in the draft. Well, Loud and Love, there aren't bigs in our league like Loud and Love, so he can dominate a game by just being there and your your the way you set your lock lineup the way you substitute the way you have your game plan so in no way is this you know a, a slap to loud and love i think he's the most dominant player in the league i think tanner holden is the best player in the league the most talented player in the league not on oakland yeah, I, I think I would have to concur uh, with you. I mean, he, he is. He, he simply is. Tavion Kirk's really good, too, point guard from UIC. He's very good as well. Nah, but, 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 uh, but I'm with you. There are a lot of really good point guards. I mean, sure. I mean the, 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 kid at, the kid at Milwaukee. Yeah, Dijon uh, Lucas. Lucas, yep. Lucas is really good. Godfrey at Fort Wayne is, and I've only seen him in, on film. I've never experienced him live, so I have a – we want to talk about it next Wednesday. We can, but on film, he, he's a top five player in the league, Godfrey. And then the kid at Robert Morris, I haven't seen live either. Every, every you know, uh, the, the Youngstown coach told me the other day that kid's the real deal. Um, you know, Bohannon is is, is a pretty special player. Uh, Cleveland State's got a lot of really good players. I don't know if they've got the player player of the year in the league or anything like that but they've got a lot of really good players uh sure i'm missing somebody as, as we well detroit's got two all-league level players yeah. in davis and uh bowl i mean bowl is how that kid only averaged five points a game at cal baptist is egregious <laughs> it's egregious it, 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 it just makes you go what <laughs> I mean, that, that kid's mountain west talent yeah, I mean he's got a Mountain West bat body. Yeah, and uh, his shot when he shoots it, you think it's it, and yeah. and everybody knows how great Davis is. So um, there's this. Fortunately, the league, I believe, if I remember right, we went to 15 this year instead of 10 players. So we got first, second, third team, I believe. So 15 players will be a lot. You know, 12 teams that you're gonna got to go to 15. So I, I think there's really a lot of deserving play. Faulkner at uh, Northern Kentucky. Yeah. And, I, and, and as far as freshman of the year is concerned, I don't think there's any question. Yeah. Mark, Northern Kentucky is just the numbers he's putting up. Or, you know, that does – it's funny, though, that doesn't mean he'll be player of the year, you know, eventually because some of these other freshmen that are – that aren't getting the chance to, you know – there's a lot of good freshmen out there that don't get much of a chance as a freshman. To make the all-freshman team and be freshman of the year, you got to be on a team that very seldom does a freshman play on a, a lot on a first-place, second-place team. Right, absolutely. More coming in with the hashtag AskCampy. Our good friend Rob Brooks wants to know, just an observation, Coach, is it different coaching from the opposite side of the arena? I know sometimes watching it from a different side feels different. I hate it. Absolutely hate it. I hate everything about 
what's going on. As I said earlier, man, I miss the band. I miss the, I miss the cheerleaders. I miss the, the national anthem being sung by a live person. I, I miss the little kids running around. I miss the smell of popcorn. That That is the, you know, all the years <laughs> walk into arenas and then you, you know, there's no place other than Oklahoma State that you got to smell the popcorn. Right. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it, that sounds funny, and it, but it's true. I mean, it really is. It's just different. And uh, oh, I hate, I hate not being in my seat. Uh, you know, I hate the crowd not around. I hate not being in there to enter. You know, I interact a lot during games with fans, and for me, that's fun. You know, I know a lot of coaches don't do that, but yeah i love that man i love interacting i love interacting with the grizz gang walking by i love interacting with the people on the floor seats i love going on the road and, and hearing all the crap that the student sections say to you and, and talking back to them and you know it's it's just not the same it's just it, i miss it man and, and to answer your question i hate everything about being on the other side yeah um remember the vegas 16 you you let a fan call a play yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, the one guy was so drunk. All he cared about was us getting the over. And he's yelling at me, you know, shoot it, shoot it, don't let him pass, shoot it. We got to get more points. Get it to Hooper. Yeah. What, what, what play you want me to run? When I talked to him after the game, he goes, Yeah, I had the over, man. I was afraid you weren't going to get the over. I, did. I thought he was some guy that liked Oakland. <laughs> Oh, that was a fun trip, man. Uh, last one here with a hashtag Ask Campy. Uh, John Nolan wants to know, uh, Camp, from your previous ex- uh, experience and visits to Fort Wayne, did you have a favorite place to eat, safe travels this week? Um, there are some mom and pop places in Fort Wayne that, you know, I, growing up as a kid in Defiance, Ohio, Defiance was located uh, 45 minutes from Toledo and 45 minutes from Fort Wayne. So, I grew up, I had the Fort Wayne stations. Back in those days, there was no cable. So you had three ABC, NBC, and CBS stations, three out of Toledo and three out of Fort Wayne. So uh, I spent a lot of time in the Fort Wayne area. My aunt lived there. Uh, I worked at Angola, Indiana, in Angola, Indiana in the summers at uh, at Lake James, the Hoosier basketball camp. And So I spent a lot of time there. So I knew a lot of mom and pop places that were really good, but... That all changed when Portillo showed up in Fort Wayne. So uh, the team will get there Thursday night, and we will uh, have takeout from Portillo's. On Friday, we'll have our pregame meal that the team will have its pregame meal and all its meals in a room in the hotel. And I personally will be getting takeout from Portillo's. And then on Saturday, the team will have a different caterer bringing them food but I will have takeout from Portillo's. So I will be eating at Portillo's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And uh, Matt wants to know, finally, Coach, last one. Matt wants to know, are you playing with poker chips uh, at the table there? What is, what's the sound? Oh, you can you can hear that? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> is it poker chips? No, it's the lid of my Diet Dr. Pepper. Oh, it sounded like poker chips, man. But then... That little, that little, that little red... Well, I'm, just, I'm tapping it on the table. Gotcha. <laughs> All day, you know. I, I thought for a second he could see what I looked like. That would not be pretty. <laughs> that wouldn't be pretty. <laughs> no, no. He just, he, he just, he just uh, heard it through. Um, let's do this, Camp. We'll, we'll carry it here for the last last four minutes uh, of the show. Um, we'll get to that break on. We'll just throw that break on the end of the show. Uh, Fort Wayne this week. 
the best shooting team in the Horizon League from the floor, from three, uh, really any way you want to do it. They, they bottom line, they make shots. They're the best shooting team in the country. I mean, they lead the country in three-point percent. I haven't looked this week. I know they didn't have a great weekend, so they might have dropped. Uh, but going into last week, and I know they led the country in three-point shooting. They shoot 50, over 50% from the floor. If you do that, there, there aren't four or five teams in, out of the 350 that will do that for the year. So they're all based on scoring the basketball. Um, they will outscore you. They will outshoot you. And if, if you allow the game, for us to win, we have to play at the pace we played the first half Friday. And, and well, that's easy to say. We won 49, but we only played at 30. Uh, 38, 36 possessions in the first half. No, 33 possessions in the first half. Is that few, huh? Wow. Yeah, it was that slow. And, and it's got to be at that, that pace. It, and then in the second half, we got in a pickup game. And if you get in a pickup game with Fort Wayne, you're, you're going to be more talented than they are, it looks like. And they're going to knock down every open look, every push the ball up the court, get a quick three while you're jogging back. Uh, celebrating your victory at the other end, and they knock down a three, and you will run a play and get a two, and they'll come down and get a three, and the next thing you know, you're down twelve, and and that's how they're going to beat us. It, we've got a we've got a guard. I think you might see us use our press a little bit, just a slow tempo. The problem with the press, if if they can throw it over the top to an open guy, you know, uh, he can you know just catch and shoot, and if we can't give them catch-and-shoot shots, man. We they Their shots have got to come off the dribble. They can make them off the dribble, but we can't give them loaded-up catch-and-shoot shots. And if we do, we're, we're going to come home 6-8. and eight. We're going to be next Wednesday. I'm going to be upset. You know, Kemp, you look at it, too, and you and I have talked about this in the past, too. When, when you talk about a press, you're not talking about – Arkansas 40 minutes of hell or, or UNLV in the early 90s. You're talking about just obstructing – plays so when they get into a set there's 18 seconds on the shot clock instead of 21 like that that's the goal of that press that you're talking about well it'll never be 18 seconds because that that'll be a 10 second call but we want when they get you know when they get set up i'm just just making a joke not a very good one but um i want them to to get the ball and what we do we're just trying to get across the timeline at about 20 21 22 seconds then, as you said, by the time they get to where they're supposed to be and attack our zone, they're at 16 seconds, 15 seconds. And then you can't reverse the ball. You know, you beat a zone by reversing the basketball. You you attack a side, you get to the other side, and you come back. And that's how you get open shots against the zone. And uh, if you've got it where they only have 15 seconds, they, they're, they're attacking two sides and better get a shot. And so that's what, you know, when you, when you can slow a team down that wants to play fast, that 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 soft press is a very good tactic. I think it would be a great tactic against them. Probably better at our place than on the road. You know, you give a guy a look at home. Give Zion Williams, Zion Williams, Zion Young, open shots in a zone at home, and he's nine for nine from the three on the road. He might be three for nine. You know, it's just. Right. So I, I, I'm not, I haven't decided 100% yet. We'll probably start not doing it. We get in trouble, we'll probably save it for Saturday or, or just an ace in the back pocket. What else, Camp? I mean, obviously, 
if you want to achieve your goals that you talked about, these are important games. I mean, let's bottom line this right now. This is moving weekend. This would be Saturday on the PGA Tour, these games against Fort Wayne right here. To get to where you want to be, you you gotta you figure you gotta come out with at least one of these. Two wins, two wins puts us in a position that if we don't finish in the top four, it's our fault. One and one puts us in a position that we gotta win two games at home next week. Right. You know, we finish with four on the road, and that isn't as daunting if if you're there. It's daunting when you have to win those four games to get and have a chance. Right. But if 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 we can win 3 of the next 4, you know, just from again, it, it, you don't want you want to play them one at a time and all that, but you've got to look because of covid, you just don't understand it. So you've got to look ahead and say, okay, what do we have to do? Where do we have to be? If we can win 3 out of 4, we're sitting at 9 and 7 going into those last four road games and you go two and two, you're you're eleven and nine and you're probably gonna finish fourth or tie for it and then you could lose a tiebreaker or whatever. You know, and if you get to twelve and eight, you're in. If you get to thirteen and seven, you're probably third. So it's all out there for us. Nothing is there's no daunting task. There's no, you know, God, we gotta go it's there for us, and, and we've just got to reach back and play now. And, and this weekend is is it's going to be a telling weekend. It's a huge weekend for us. We we've got to go. We got to get at least one. And if we can get two, this is why I hate this whole schedule thing of playing the same team back to back. Because you're sitting there going, "Well, we got to get at least one or two. Where if you weren't doing, you wouldn't. You've never heard me talk like this. No, you know." Hell was Saturday. We got to go Thursday, and who you know we got to go to Wright State Thursday, and we got to win. We'll worry about uh, Northern Kentucky on Saturday. Well, now we're going to play the same team, and we can't be swept. If we get swept, our chances of finishing in the top four take a huge hit. Doesn't mean we can't, but they take a huge hit. All right, Kent, that does it for this week's show. Next time we talk, it'll be in February, Super Bowl week. We'll have our yearly Super Bowl discussion too, Camp. So we'll get some, get a couple of wins in Fort Wayne. We'll talk less Super Bowl. You know, if things don't go the way you want, maybe we'll talk more Super Bowl. We'll figure it out. Or we can talk about Roy Williams and my $20. Or we can talk about that as well, no doubt about it. He is a coach, Greg Campy, Kevin McCann, back in our Real Team Real Estate studios. Uh, and most importantly, appreciate you guys, uh, the listeners, the, the questions on Twitter and everything like that. See you next Wednesday, same time, same channel. For the Coach Greg Campy, my name is Neil Rule. Thanks for listening, everybody. Oh, see you later.